Hi, welcome to the very first podcast for iChange21. I'm passionate about talking to people that have made changes in their life, wanting to do this for ages. So this is my very first Extraordinary People podcast and I'm really excited to have Vicky with me. Um, even though I've known Vicky for years, I've never actually sat down and asked her these questions. So I'm really looking forward to this today. So welcome, Vicky. Hi, Steph. So Vicky is a classic example of what I call extraordinary people. She is a mum with three teenage girls, feisty teenage girls as well, (laughs) they're brilliant, and a bouncing baby boy, and a partner who she loves very much and they're very happy, but he's not easy either. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. Um, And on top of that, she's gone and got a degree in addictions and also a counselling diploma. So um, she's a very busy, very (laughs) clever lady. So Vicky, tell me a little bit about your life now. Well, my life at the moment is quite different to how it's been over the last sort of 10 years or so, because I've just had um, another baby. So I'm actually not working at the moment. And my whole sort of life at the moment is being at home, looking after my son, um, which I'm really enjoying, um, and my girls. Um, It just gives me that time to you know be more present about what's going on with them because I'm not you know trying to manage all these sort of balls so at the moment it's quite different um but it's but it's really nice as well so I'm at home um so full-time mum yeah full-time mum at the moment and I've just um I've just finished my maternity leave um I was due to go back in February but I just I just suddenly thought my son is still he's not even a year yet um, and I realised that I'm in quite a luxurious position that um, if I want to take more time off work, mm. I can. Yeah. Um, that's not always an option for people. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have to go back to work quite quickly um, because of finances. So I just thought about it and I just thought I'm not quite ready to put him into nursery yet. You know, it just still feels a little bit too young. So I've just taken another year off and I'm due to go back to work in about a year's time now. So I've got another year um and that feels that feels the right thing for for me and my family at the minute you mm. know because there's a lot going on um and yeah that it's just what I wanted to do I just thought that's what's best for my family and what's best for my son so yeah full-time mummy housemaid <laughs> well you look well on it I wouldn't go you so far brilliant. as saying a cook but <laughs> wow we can't be perfect no. can we <laughs> Okay, brilliant. But so like, that's kind of how it is at the minute, yeah. 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 Good. And you're also, you're getting married, aren't you? I am, yeah. Um, I haven't set a date yet, but it's, um, yeah, my partner proposed to me on, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> so um, that was our anniversary. So yeah, at some point in the future, I'll be getting married. Brilliant. But life wasn't always like this for you, was it? No. So sometimes things have been quite difficult. Yeah. So how long ago was it when things were really difficult and how was it when it was at its worst? Well, I mean, for me, my stuff around substances was quite early onset. So I'm talking teenage years. Mm. And I think it's quite normal for children in some ways to experiment um, with drinking and substances. And I mean... You know, you as a parent, I don't want my kids to do that, but I know that the natural part of being a teenager is is that kind of thing. And for most teenagers, it it probably won't develop into anything else. But for me, 
it was problematic even back then. Mm. And I, I kind of remember there being quite clear differences around how I experimented with substances compared to my peers. Yeah. I was always the one who had to take it too far, if you know what I mean, on, um, you know, carnival night in this sort of little little seaside town that I lived in. My friends would have a, a few drinks and be a little bit tipsy and I'd be the one who's drank far too many Diamond Whites and end up in the tent at the <laughs> carnival thing having to have my stomach pumped. So there was... Yeah. There was quite clear um, differences even back then. Um, Mm. And it just was like a normal, you know, sort of you start experimenting with drinking and um, drinking too much and and stuff like that. And and I think there was a couple of key things that happened in my life as a teenager that sort of influenced the way that I went. And one was that I had a boyfriend when I was 15 who was very, very violent. Um, But back then, when I was 15, domestic violence wasn't really talked about. No, it wasn't. It was just a thing, It was just something that happened. um, And there was different kinds of abuse. And um, some of those types of abuse were things that were portrayed as... They didn't happen with your partner. They were something that happened to you you know with a complete stranger so it was I knew that something wasn't obviously wasn't right um but it wasn't it wasn't something that was out in the open that you that you knew about or that there was places that you could go not that I probably would have at that age because I was a young girl Mm. but I think that had quite a big impact on me um and I think I started to use drink and drugs as a way of medicating emotional pain if I look back to my teenage years that's what I think my my using and drinking was more about was I just wanted to feel okay and a lot of the time I didn't feel okay but when I took something I did feel okay yeah um you know it sort of like bounced off me if you like so there was there was that kind of thing so it happened quite early on I would say Mm. yeah and then at its worst, yeah, like your rock bottom, how mm. would you describe your rock bottom? Well, I mean, how many rock bottoms do you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, quite a few then. <laughs> An escalation of rock bottoms. Yeah, so um, this, this thing of rock bottom, it's quite an interesting thing because, you know, you'll have times where you hit rock bottom or you feel like you've hit rock bottom and so that makes you think, oh, I've got to do something about this and then all of a sudden something might happen and things are okay again and you tell yourself it's all all right and then you hit another rock bottom. But at its at its absolute worst, I think, for me as a person, it stripped me of any hope, of any belief in myself, of any... Um, all my aspirations, all my hopes, all my dreams were just were just gone Mm. and I didn't have them anymore um I think that I felt like I wasn't worthy of being part of society and something you know there's different degrees of how people use and drink and mine was quite probably at the high end of the spectrum um and so you I became isolated from sort of mainstream community if you like yeah and most of the people that I associated with other drinkers and drug users like myself and so you become almost a sub a little subculture in society um that no one else wants to be around 
probably quite you know why would you but also that just these feelings of shame and not being good enough and um and then when you try and stop and then you you can't in the end I just gave up Mm. I mean I remember having reports done on me when I was 21 because there was some concerns around how I was behaving there was concerns around my parenting which were they were right to be concerned and I remember one of the things was thinking you know what my children might grow up in Mm. and I remember a report from a doctor and bear in mind I was 21 saying you really don't need to be worrying about the impact that this this person's life is going to have on her children because she's probably going to be dead within two years that's quite um that's quite some rock bottom isn't it at 21 it is but you know the detachment from it because i remember reading the letter and and feeling nothing about it Mm, yeah it's not at the time yeah but then later on you know being in recovery and then reading through some of my medical notes being absolutely horrified in some 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 part of me absolutely horrified as if was this really happening and then another part just completely so so sad I mean I just look at it and just think what must I have you know what did I what did I think about myself what did I feel about myself to to have all this stuff and not not even not even care that I might die Mm. not Mm. even care that my children might grow up without a parent who who died from from her addiction and at the time you know just having really profound emotional experiences around that a lot later um and physically you know sort of so that that's kind of the emotional aspect of it feeling a lot of shame feeling a, a lack of hope feeling a lack of that you can do anything be anything what do I want to do what do I want to like these were not conversations that I had with myself everything was just flat I suppose yeah no no feeling about anything and I suppose that being a person today and being very attached to my feelings and experiencing my emotions acutely happy sad joy wonder whatever it is feeling it just makes me realize back then that was one of the biggest things I lost as a, a human being was the ability to love and the ability to feel you know so those are the kind of things that it took emotionally but physically as well you know I was like I hardly ate I you know at my worst I probably weighed five stone ten something like that you know and it got to the point where physically sometimes I couldn't even eat soup Mm. and a piece of bread Mm. my 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 body was you know breaking down so much and I remember, you know, towards the end, when it was coming towards the end, and in that lifestyle, you know, when you've got to do bits and bobs to sort of keep the addiction going, I just sort of, in the end, I realised I can't do this anymore because Liz, literally, <laughs> I can't run away from anybody. If I go and do this thing, I'm going to be banging trouble because I actually can't even <laughs> physically run anymore, you know? And that's, and that's when I just sort of gave up. Yeah completely gave up you know um so there's a there's a physical aspect that it has to you the the damage it does to your body there's that sort of emotional stuff that I've talked about um the lack of intimacy and connection just generally with people but certainly in my relationships with 
um, a partner, mm. you know, that sort of stuff was always, you know, really quite dysfunctional. But the biggest thing really was the the way that it affected my ability to be a mum. Yeah. Was the biggest thing. Yeah. That as much as I, you know, loved my kids and I wanted to be a good parent, it was virtually impossible because I was always driven by a primary agenda, which was that I needed and I needed something to function and mm. that had to come first. Um, otherwise I couldn't even do the, the basics for my yeah. kids, you know? So that's, it's bad, it's worse. That's kind of what it was like. And it was like that for a long time. Pretty bad then. Pretty bad. And yeah. also the thing that never ceases to amaze me having worked in this sector, and I know you have as well, Vicky, I mean, I've worked in it for 10 years, is people's capacity to change, but also, the human body's ability to repair from wow, that yeah. is amazing, yeah, isn't it? Like we've yeah. both seen people yeah. on death's door and you look at yeah. them and you think, oh my God. And then literally weeks mm. later, it's phenomenal. And I it? think physically, my experience anyway, and certainly what I, as you say, what I've seen in yeah. my work career, but also from my own personal experience is physically, um, once I stopped um, and, and I, I stopped completely, I was abstinent. Um, once I stopped, physically, I recovered very, very quickly. Yeah. Within a matter of, you know, like you say, probably weeks, you yeah. know, my sh physical strength um, came back. The emotional side took a, took a bit longer to recover mm. and heal. Mm. But physically, yeah, absolutely. And that's the bit that takes the work, isn't it? Like we yeah. always say to people and in alcohol services, we always used to say we can get people in and we can get them clean and yeah. then the work really that's starts. That's when it really starts. <laughs> yeah. and, and in some ways, you know, I was naive to that, but it didn't matter because actually what I needed was I needed to stop and I probably didn't need to be completely overwhelmed at that, at that time. Yeah. If someone had told me the things that I might have been facing, you know, two years, five years, 10 years in recovery... Um, I wouldn't have believed that I would have had the capacity to get through those things without going back to what I know. And I am a sort of big believer in, um, you know, more will be revealed, if you like. Um, and as stuff has come up in my life, I've been able to handle it. But yeah, the, the go into rehab or however you get clean is many people's vision of that, certainly mine, <laughs> before I went to, um, I happened to go to, to rehab. Um my view of it was I just stop using this stuff and then everything's going to be okay <laughs> yes everything's going to be all right you know yeah. and 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 you really believe that I really yeah. I really believe that that that's all it would take yeah and of course what I found was that actually you know the getting clean wasn't the end of the journey it was actually the first step in in a in a journey yeah it was the very beginning yeah. and the real work um and there have been tests and there have been challenges. There have been, that stuff has come up, but there's also, to counteract that, there has also been moments of absolute ecstasy in my life without it being drug-induced, mm. you know? So yeah, it's absolutely the, the, the beginning. So what was the thing that made the difference then, do you think, in terms of your change? Well, again it's a sort of it's a journey isn't it so what i know to be the absolute pivotal thing that made a, a, a difference to me and this won't be for everybody because i think there's more than one way to skin a cat 
there's lots of ways lots of different approaches to addiction and recovery um and the longer that i have been on my own journey the less inclined i am to tell people that it's got to be this way or or nothing um but what was important for me because remember i said that my life you know i was at quite a heavy end of the spectrum so when i left um rehab um I was going I wasn't going back to a fully made life where I was going back to a job where I was going back to a family where I was going back to you know this life that I had before I was going back to an absolute unknown I think I had two two carrier bags of of clothes and then you know stuff like that but I remember the pivotal thing of being able to believe that it was possible for me was that I started to the people who were providing my treatment, if you like, um, had lived experience of recovery. These were people who, not all of them actually, by the way, in the staff team, there was a mixture. Some of them were in recovery and some of them weren't. But even the ones that weren't in recovery had a pretty good understanding of addiction and recovery and life and stuff like mm. that, you know, and they were, they were therapists and stuff like that. But I remember the really big hook because I always thought, nobody understands me everybody's always judging me <laughs> nobody gets me so you know this kind of in one way of a bit of a victim like you know poor me poor me but in another side I've been isolated from people for a long time um and I think seeing some people who had you know not who had lived their life the way that I had lived it and who now had not used drugs or alcohol for or whatever their poison was for quite a long time and they seemed happy and they mm. seemed to have things in their life that I would never tell you that I wanted yeah I would say you were a mug if you wanted all of that stuff but secretly I craved it mm. they had stability in their families they had jobs that they liked you know they had friendships and, and stuff like that I mean I would always pretend that that stuff was overrated but inside secretly I craved that stuff I just didn't want to expose that and and be vulnerable so I think there was an element of seeing people started to make me think that maybe this was possible for me whereas before it wasn't possible for me mm. I tried so many times and I just failed at each attempt so for some reason there was something wrong with me yeah. um and I and, and for me that was that was the biggest thing that I'm I think made me sit up and listen and actually stop and and had enough of an impact that meant that while I was in there, which was for six months or something like that, um, that I just didn't use in that time. Because some people did. They left, they walked out. Um, they might go and do something stupid when they got a bit more freedom in secondary and they'd go out and they'd use. And people left. So so it's not like you go into rehab, you don't use. People did. People were leaving all the time. People were coming all the time. But it had enough of a... I'd hit enough of a bottom where I did want to change. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. Yeah. Okay, so you wanted to change, life had been really difficult, Mm. but also that thing about seeing other people that had been through what you've been through, being able to live these lives that previously you hadn't even thought about. No. And I think that's a really big thing, isn't it? And I apply that to a lot of stuff, actually, because I just think, well, we're all people in the world. Yeah. It doesn't really make us any different. Why should you be able to have something that I haven't got and actually anything's possible? Yeah, hope. It gave me hope. I think for the first time it gave me some hope and because the conditions were right, I'd had enough, 
I wanted to change, didn't know how I was going to do it. Some people were put in front of me who had done it. It was just enough to break through that rock solid armor that I had, just that chink, just enough to make me go, maybe I'm going to sit this out. Because I was packing my bags every single day for the first two weeks that I was in treatment. And they humored me for a little while. In the end, he just said to me, Vicky, if you're going to go, just go. Mm. And suddenly I thought, where am I going to go? I've got Mm. nowhere to go. Mm. I've got to stay here and I've got to go on this journey. And that was, you know, that was the beginning. So, so yeah, hope, I think, was the biggest thing that maybe, maybe I could, maybe I could stop. And also what you do now as well, which is really powerful, is, and the reason why I'm interviewing you really, is that you give hope to a lot of other people, don't you? Because your journey has been so difficult Mm. you know those extremes yeah so that's really powerful isn't it so you learned from that you watched other people yeah and thought oh there's some hope there but now actually you are that hope for a lot of other people as well yeah I think that's that's fair to say that even though I cringe inside when you say (laughs) it because I'm still not um you know I'm getting better at it but um but yeah no no you're bang on because because I have been because I know that there has been people who I've helped whether that's been through my career or whether it's through my the, the way that I chose to do my personal recovery who I know that um you know I was part of their journey in the way that other people were the part of mine and it's a bit like a game of tag yeah you know yeah. um so yeah yeah I suppose people you do when you're when you've got no experience of how to live life and there's these people in front of you who are doing that you do look up to them so there is a bit of a sense of responsibility with that you know and um so yeah i think that's fair to say that i have inspired um people that perhaps they if i can do it well <laughs> you know if she can <laughs> if she can do it then maybe i can as well yeah how, how has this journey affected your life? Does it make you feel like actually you could do anything you want now if you've achieved that? It does now because I've come to understand that actually, you know, what I know about myself is that if I make a decision, if I, if I want to do something, I've got a lot of grit, I've got a lot of determination, I've got a lot of tenacity. I mean, geez, I will hang in there. Um... <laughs> And also, there is also that part of... There's some things that maintain your addiction that are quite negative, that actually, in recovery, if you reframe them in a different way, they're actually very positive to have. So, seeing my addiction, if I wanted something, if I needed to drink or to use, nothing was going to stop me come Mm -hmm. hell or high water. Um, And actually instead of that being quite a negative thing, I can apply that to my life now, that if I see something that I want, um, I can just use that drive in me, that commitment to try and achieve those goals and stuff. So I think sometimes, yeah, I I believe that anything is possible. Great. So the world's your oyster then, because we need to watch out then, don't we, really? Yeah, yeah. Next stop. (laughs) I don't know what next stop is, but but yeah, I do. I believe that, you know, and like this thing that that you're saying, extraordinary... I think that, you know, I think, yeah, that we are extraordinary people who have the capacity to have lives that we love and and chase those dreams. And why shouldn't we? Mm. You know, the only thing that can stop me is me. Yeah. And that's really powerful, isn't it? Once yeah. you realise that. Yeah. Yeah. So 
What advice would you give to someone who wants to make changes in their life? So it doesn't necessarily be, you know, it could be anything. It could be that mm. they're drinking too much or taking too many drugs or gambling. It could be something that's a bad habit, that's a problem. Mm. Actually, it's stopping them from living the life they want to live. And it doesn't need to be that they're at bottom because sometimes, no, you know, no. you and I, we've worked with people that you know, what we call high functioning, don't we? So incredibly successful people yeah. who are managing, like incredibly resourceful, exactly, managing yeah. jobs, yeah. houses, yeah. the money, Absolutely. and these phenomenal drinking yeah. habits or whatever. But actually they're no, killing themselves. I know lots of people like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. People in my people in my immediate family have been like that. Mm. You know, not you know. The, this is the thing that I really want to get away from is that, my, yes, my experience is at the, probably the high end of the spectrum, but the view of someone who is an addict is bit, or, or, an, or someone who has a drinking problem as being someone on a park bench, someone who just sticks needles in their arms, some, you know, that is part of what might happen to someone in their drinking or using. But that is not just the only, you know, there's yeah. a whole spectrum of how people drink and, and use and stuff. I suppose in terms of advice, it's not for me to say how someone should do it but I think the most important step that someone has to take is to be first and foremost to be honest with themselves mm. you know is is their drinking and their using costing them more than maybe just money you know the and that sort of stuff I think it's really important to be honest with yourself and then I think it's quite a big thing to step over pride um, or fear of what people might think if you need to get some help. Um, but I do believe that it's quite difficult to get better on your own in isolation. And there's lots of different ways to do it. But I do think once you've taken that first step of being honest with yourself, it's then important to be honest with someone else and seek the right kind of help for yourself and get support from somebody else or from other other people. Um, I think that's quite quite a big thing. Um, it's quite hard, isn't it, it is. to tell people? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, particularly if you're, you know, we know this from our, from our job, but I also know it from my personal experience. If you're a woman and you have children, mm, yeah. what's, what's the main thing you're gonna be thinking if you ask for help? Because I know what mine was they're going to take my kids away. Yeah. So straight away, there is a barrier for people asking for help because you make that assumption that as soon as I do this, that that is what's going to happen. Um, it probably isn't, but actually it's quite a big, it's quite a big fear. And there's lots of barriers for people accessing help, isn't there? You know, they're standing in life, the job they've got, the kids they've got, this sort of stuff. But I suppose to reframe it, what I'd say is, are you more likely to experience consequences from doing that or from continuing the way that you're living your life? Mm. So, you know, it's hard to say what would my advice be, but I, I just think it's something about being honest with yourself and um, getting the right support for yourself, whatever that looks like. Yeah, and keep trying, isn't it, till you mm. find the thing that works. So I think the other thing as well about asking for help and talking to someone is... There are plenty of places where you can go where that's confidential, so yeah. it doesn't need to be like because, like you say, the big thing about asking for help is, oh God, yeah. what are people going to do? Particularly for women with children, yeah, people are going to judge me as a parent. But actually, there are places where you can go where that type of information is confidential. Oh yeah, because so. there's all there's there's lots of different. Mm. You know, there's there, some people um, will 
choose to go into treatment mm. and that's absolutely fine some people that will not work for them and they yeah. may have resort you know by and large if people have got their own resources to do it they probably will so for some people they may be you know like you said if they're working and stuff like that they may be willing to go and see somebody privately mm. they may be willing to access you know a therapist or you know there's all sorts of different things that they could do some people might choose to just go to maybe a 12-step fellowship or something like that or some people might choose an alternative to that there's lots of different there's lots of different ways um to get help and i think you know one size doesn't fit all but also i think like you said keep trying because mm. it, i mean i happen to go through a 12-step program that was just i went to rehab and i just think that was pure luck more than anything else one i was ready the treatment center that i went into adopted that philosophy and we were encouraged to be part of it and that seemed to work for me where other things hadn't worked however i'd been in rehab before this final time i was introduced introduced to a 12 step and i was not having it at all <laughs> i was not interested these you know i was listening to them i was like no this is not for me <laughs> So at one point in my life, it wasn't for me. Mm. Go forward two or three years at that time, I went in and I looked at it in a different way and I tried it and it worked for me very well. I mm. stuck with it for a long time. Um, I'm not going to meetings at the moment, but that's just a progression of where my recovery has gone. Mm. It was something that worked very well for me for a number of years. I wouldn't knock it. I wouldn't, if someone said that they wanted to try, I'd definitely say go there, but at the moment, you know, I'm not doing it that way at the moment. Um, and that's fine. I, so I think, yeah, there's lots of different things and it's just about trying what, what works for you. And if you've tried once one way and it didn't work that time, it might not be because that approach didn't work for you. It might just not have been at the right time. Yeah. Try it again. Yeah. See what happens. If it really ain't for you, you'll know. <laughs> and you're really busy now anyway with, mm. your, with your girls and your baby and your partner. Yeah. So life's very, very different. Yeah. Um, planning for your wedding yeah and I I sort of believe that the the better like you know I think something there's something about attachment in and using substances and this is just my personal belief based on one my experience but two what I've learned academically in my degree and everything um that I I think that my relationship to substances was because I was lacking attachment you know sound attachments to things people in my life and now I have very strong attachments to people that I love and that I care about I have strong attachments to my identity and my career I have um you know hopes and dreams and I'm happy with my life so so as I'm happier the desire to escape reduces you know in some ways it's not rocket science I you know I don't know if this is all right or not, but I tend generally don't tend to meet people who are destroying their lives with drugs and alcohol who are really happy and content people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're just, you know, hell yeah. bent on doing this and life's really great and they're happy and they're content and they're just going to yeah. destroy their life. That has not been my experience, you know, but what I've seen when people get better is that they become happy, they become content, they find their place, they get comfortable in their own skin. They don't need to do that anymore so yeah 
but they work at it holistically don't they yeah that's what you're saying it's not it's lots and lots of different things isn't it and if you keep working at it it's a journey well life's a journey yeah that's the bottom line it's not just about the drugs or the alcohol it's It's about life it's about relationships it's about my relationship to me it's about my relationship to other people Mm. it's it's about a whole host of things, but I, I generally think, as a rule of thumb, the more full and happy and content your life is, the less likely you are to feel the need to abuse substances. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it sounds very simplistic, um, but I do believe that to be true. I'm a big fan of simple, as you know. Yeah, keep it simple, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks very much, Vicky. That, okay. was, that was brilliant. Thanks for coming today. Thank you. Um, Right, so that was our first Extraordinary podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. There'll be many more where that came from. Um, If you've got any comments, please post on my Facebook and Twitter pages. Feel free to ask us questions. Thank you, bye.